everybody and welcome back to the fourth installment of the Talk the Plank podcast. I am your host Ashley and today we are going to be unpacking and reviewing the Bucks 2019 NFL Draft. Um, today was the third day of the draft so it is finally over. The anticipation is over. The only thing left now is to kind of, you know, examine the picks and see who the Bucks may take in the undrafted free agency. But today was a whirlwind. There was a lot of up and down emotions. There was a lot of maybe you could say confusion on some ends just to sim the guys that Bucks picked some of the guys they didn't pick and some of the guys they you know kind of just left hanging so without further ado we're going to jump right in um we're going to start off with the fifth pick in the NFL draft the, the Bucks first pick and they started things off with a bang in my opinion they took Devin White linebacker out of LSU and me personally I wasn't sold on taking White at number five only because of how high he would have been drafted he how high he was drafted I should say um you know there's not a lot of linebackers that are taken that high ever and I mean ever it doesn't matter what team it is you you usually don't see a linebacker going that high and the Bucks haven't taken a linebacker that high since Derek Brooks so you know I was very iffy on it I myself was more sold on taking someone like Ed Oliver or Josh Allen with the number five pick if we couldn't move down um but I really this pick couldn't gone any better for Tampa it really couldn't um they're gonna get a guy that can fit in right next to Levante David and really take over the middle of the defense they're getting a new almost a new quarterback of the defense uh, when Quan went down last season they didn't have that voice on the defense that was really, you know, that rah, rah, rah guy. That guy that could really bring, you know, the fire, the fight, and really get those guys going. Now, Levante David is one of the best linebackers in the league, but he's even said it himself. He's more of a quiet guy. He's just now starting to become more of that vocal leader and, you know, get that kind of emotional stance going. And bringing Devin White in, I think, will both help Levante David with that emotional presence on the defense and as well as improve the Bucks play against tight ends and running backs. You have to remember that when Quan Alexander was still here, and this is not a jab at him at all, you know, the Bucks struggled a lot with covering tight ends and running backs. They didn't have that guy that can keep up with them. In the NFC South, you have some of the fastest, most talented wide receivers and running backs in the entire league. Just wide receiver wise, in New Orleans you have Michael Thomas who was one of the top wideouts last year. You have Julio Jones, who is regarded as the top wide receiver in the entire league. And, you know, those guys, they're pulling these slants off in the middle and going off for 45 yards because no one can can keep up with their speed. They're these speedy, tall, lengthy guys that just blow by our defenders every single time. Then on the running back side of things, the entire NFC South is loaded with talent. In Carolina, you've got Christian McCaffrey, who's a dual threat. Not only is he going to be coming out of the backfield with just running, he can catch things out of the backfield and take it for 70, 80 yards for a touchdown. He's going to be doing those curl routes, those you know, those little digs in and out just to get out into the flat, get him into open space. Alvin Kamara is regarded as one of the best running backs in the league. He's got the speed and the toughness, the grit, just the poison balance to really, you know, hurt defenses. He's got that stop on a dime mentality, stop on a dime footwork that, you know, you make one wrong room, he's going to shake you out of your shoes. And then in Atlanta, you know, with Tevin Coleman gone now, you know, but you had Tevin Coleman in the backfield um, really tearing things up down there. So the Bucks, I think, really felt with that the need they needed the most. The guy, the position they needed 
to really focus on on this draft was linebacker, and Devin White fell right in their laps. Um, I believe if Quinn and Williams would have went to five if the Jets didn't take him, and obviously the Raiders took Farrell Furl. Farrell, I'm sorry if I'm butchering that, but, you know, I believe if, if he would have felt the five, they would have taken him, but with Devin White, like I said, in the middle now, they have that captain of the defense again, and that's something that um, Bruce Arians is really looking forward to now, having someone that can command the defense and be the mic and be the guy that, you know, is, is the quarterback of the defense. He's going to call the shots. He's going to be calling things out in the play. Um, and this is a guy who's not only someone who's poised and perfect on the field, you got a guy that can come off the field and is very genuine and just wants to play and wants to show what he's about. I think I've watched about 12, 13 hours of tape on Devin White, not only just highlights, because every 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 single prospect has a highlight reel, okay? You can sit there and watch highlight reels for guys who never get drafted, who have, you know, never really made it to the league. Every guy has a highlight reel. But if you sit there and watch game film on this guy, you know, he's able to read out plays. He's able to, you know, make a difference in the play. He's able to affect the play in some way, some way, shape, or form. He's going to affect that play, whether it be cutting off a lane for a running back or a wide receiver, whether it's putting pressure on the quarterback, or whether it's assisting or even making it a play or a tackle or a sack. He's going to be the guy that really, you know, sets the tone for the defense. And I'll tell you what, Devin White plays 100% every single play. This guy is going to hit you and hit you hard and let you know that he is going to be here at the first play of the game until the very, the very last play of the game. From one whistle to the next, he is going to give you 100% of himself. I think the Bucs got a workhorse in this guy. I think they got an amazing guy off the field. Um, I couldn't have been more wrong thinking that he was not worth the fifth pick. This guy is going to be just... <laughs> I don't really have words. I think he's going to be the next Levante David. He's going to be the next big line-making star for the Bucks. Couldn't be more excited to have him here. I can't wait to see what he does. It's... It, it, this pick really just shows the facet that Todd Bowles and Arians wants to have in his defense. He wants to have guys that are mean, nasty, aggressive competitors and are, you know, willing to work, give 110% of themselves all the time, every day, every play, every game. Um, so this is really exciting. I, I really think that he's going to prove some of the doubters wrong that I've told him, you know, he, he tackles too high or he's not you know, worth it at five. I think he has a lot to, you know, to prove to some Bucks fans who weren't too sold on him like I once was, also to himself and to the league. So I'm excited to see him get to work, build him a stable Tampa Bay. We got the horses in the back. He's here. We are ready. Bring on Daisy Mae down to Tampa. We are, we are ready for it. It was clear to me early on with the taking of Devin White that this was going to be a defensive-heavy draft for Jason Light and for Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles. I knew that they were going to be trying to, like Arian said, not rebuild, not, you know, just blow everything up and go over and, you know, try to make it a brand new team, but just take these pieces that would fit right in to what Bowles and Arians liked and just put them there. They wanted guys they can plug and play and really just make an impact on the field. So when the second round came around, <laughs> um, I myself was really, really high on Greedy Williams. I was high on Greedy Williams in, you know, 
At the end of last year, I loved the way he played at LSU. I loved his height. The Bucks don't really have a real big corner that can get after these NFC South big receivers. And the whole NFL, really, the NFL is becoming more of a very tall receiver league, a very pass-happy league. So you need those corners that can go out there and not only you know match them at least closely in height, but also guys that are speedy and can keep up with them because these guys are running sub-4-3, four, 4-4s four, at this time. So um, I was very high on Greedy. I really thought that he would have fit nicely into Arians and Bulls' system. So when the Bucks announced they picked Son- I'm sorry, <laughs> Sean Bunting, I was you know kind of confused as to who that was at first. But then I started watching tape on this kid, and um, it-, it blew me away. It was really something that I wasn't expecting from a guy that I personally have never heard of. But outside Devin White, this kid is going to be a stud in Todd Bowles' defense. Okay, this kid did not allow a single touchdown in 2018. Not one single touchdown. He is six foot, four 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 two speed. Quarterbacks have a forty one point five passer rating when he's targeted. He's only allowed. A, he posted an eighteen point five catch rate allowed, and he's an incredibly. I mean, he is insanely athletic. Only DK Metcalf had a better ten yard splint than Bunting. Metcalf posted a one point four eight, and Bunting had a one point five one. He's got a 41 and a half inch vertical and he's long, lanky, speedy, and he's got hops. He's perfect for contesting 50-50 balls. He has 24 career pass breakups. And this kid's film is just, it's, it's impressive. It really is impressive. He boxes out wide receivers with his size and length. And he uses his hands. You know, you see a lot of these corners nowadays use more of their hands like the last second. But... His length allows him to defend even when the receiver is thrown open. You can have the stickiest coverage ever, but if the quarterback throws you open, if you don't have your hands up, your hands out, you know, trying to defend the ball, there's a good chance that they can really, you know, they can burn you bad for a big play. He has some pretty impressive awareness to keep his eye on the ball and on the quarterback, on the receivers. He looks like he has, you know, that instinct to break on the ball, and he hits, he hits hard. I was watching some tape last night on him, and my God, he will hit you and let you know that if you're sleeping on him and you know you're not, you're not, you know, you don't have your head on the swivel, he's gonna let you know he's there. Um, so this pick, I think he's really going to fit nicely into Todd Bowles' defense. He's a sticky press corner. He, you know, he has the speed and the athleticism to really keep up with these big guys. The Bucks needed a third wide receiver after Brent Grimes decided he didn't want to play football anymore. I guess. He doesn't want to cover the best receivers in the league, and he was just going to loaf around until someone, you know, says something about it. But so now the Bucks have two real press, no, actually three. All three of the Bucks corners now, BH3, Carlton Davis, and now Sean Bunting are three press corners who are aggressive. They're going to get at you at the line. They're going to jam you off the line. They're going to get their hands on you, and they're going to stick to you like glue. Their game is to not let them behind you. Their best attributes, both Carlton Davis and Sean Bunting, are to box you out and let you know that they can get over the top when the ball comes. They're going to go after that 50-50 ball. They're going to let you know they're there. And I think that, you know, with some of Greedy's tackling issues, um, that Arians wasn't ready for that. Arians didn't want to take that risk. He wanted a guy that he saw on tape 
really, you know, give it 100% and have that awareness and, you know, wrapped up tackles. So I think he'll fit in nicely. Um, I don't I don't know why Greedy fell as hard as he did, but he fell to about, what, pick 15 or 16? I, I, I haven't been able to find what went with him, but, you know, before the start of the draft, he really was one of the top cornerbacks, you know, projected to go and he didn't he even the Patriots passed on him you know Bill Belichick's not going to let you know a a presumed top three cornerback go if there wasn't some issues behind so um as confused as I was I love this I, I love this draft pick I think he might be my favorite outside of Devin White. Devin White kind of has <laughs> Devin White kind of has first place right now just because of how genuine he is off scene um, off the field. I've also seen some tape on Sean Bunting, you know, just kind of talking about his draft and, you know, him getting the opportunity to play in Tampa and, you know, being taken 39th overall. And he seems like a really confident, uh, confident corner. I really feel like he's confident in his abilities and that's something the Bucks have also lacked. Um, both Vernon Hargraves and Carlton Davis both seemed a little shaken when they first entered the league. They both kind of seemed like they weren't super comfortable and kind of lost some confidence when they were having issues um, with both speed and, you know, getting burned on some plays. But it seems like Bunting is ready to show that, you know, he's going to be that guy. He wants to be that guy on the field that those other cornerbacks can can really rally around. He was uh, getting interviewed by, I think it was one of his friends, I had posted it on my, on my Twitter account, that he was saying he wants to go into that DB room and let them know that he has the best room, the best hands in the whole room. He has the best hands for a cornerback. That right there kind of shows you that he's ready to compete. He's a competitor. He wants to show what he's made of. He, and he, he even said, I want to bring, bring wins back to Tampa Bay. To have a guy that just wants to be in Tampa, like he wants to play for this team. He wants to be here and, and show the city love and bring winning back to Tampa. That, you know, kind of struck me as wow. Bruce Arians really did his research on these guys. Both Devin White and Sean Bunting have both said things very similar to this. And that's something that you want to hear as a fan. You want to bring in guys that are both, you know, they're both competitors and really, you know, really good at what they do. But you also want guys that have that charisma and that spark and that, you know, that sense of pride in the community and the team and the city. So that was really refreshing to see. I'm really, really excited to see what he does. I think he's going to probably battle... It's very, very, it's too early for me to actually make this prediction, but I'm going to do it anyway. I think Sean Bunting might take over the slot role, that CB1 role. If he really, if, if he's, if his on field from college to the NFL translate like I think it should, I think he can really make a case for that CB1. So I'm excited to see what he does. Um, I love the pick. I know a couple people weren't, you know, too excited about it. But um, I love it. I think that he's going to be great. I think it was a great pick. The third round kind of started off confusing for me personally. The Bucks had the 70th pick overall. I think it was the fifth or sixth. No, no, it was the seventh pick in the third round. And they traded back with the Rams to take the 94th and 99th overall pick and gave them the 70th. Um, which was kind of confusing because at the time you still had some incredible offensive line and pass rushing talent such as you know Lindstorm, Risner, um, and just some of these pass rushers that you felt could really make a difference and impact in that defensive line. 
especially when, you know, you have up in the air of Gerald McCoy, you have, you know, JPP is getting older. You got to really start thinking about the future. And when the Bucks made that pick, that trade back, you know, 25, 29 spots down, it was a bit of a head scratcher. And for some, the pick, the first pick and the third, pick 94 was also a bit of a head scratcher. They took a second cornerback by the name of Jamel Dean out of Auburn. Now, this cat's fast. This guy, you know, also has the potential to really make um, the roster and maybe be that third, fourth cornerback. He has a 4-3-40 time, a 41-inch vertical, and he's one. He's a taller, speedy corner, and, you know, he's also very sticky um, with the hands. He's got, you know, that more of an aggressive feel to him. Um, he's got that length and that size and that just poise on the field to, you know, even when he gets, you know, beat off the line, he still has that speed that he can recover. He can make sure that he, you know, doesn't let the receiver get past him and behind him. Kind of like I said with um, Sean Bunting, they kind of have the same similar style and play that they're the wide receiver's shadow. Um, They stay close and make sure that they can catch up and they can make a break on the ball when that moment comes. They're, you know, they're going to want the quarterback to test them so they can, you know, prove them wrong and really make a, an impact play. Um, while watching Jamel, G- Jamel Dean's tape, um, he probably could have had more interceptions, but he uses his hands to break up the pass. What he does is, like I said with, with Bunting, um, he'll be the shadow. And once that quarterback, you know, throws that ball, he's going to use his length to, to chop that ball down to stop the pass. Um... He had 10 interceptions, 10 career interceptions in Auburn. And, you know, interceptions are, have been a thing of scarcity in Tampa Bay. If some of you might remember last season when the Bucks only had, I think, what was it? Maybe three, four turnovers in like the first eight, nine weeks. You're not going to win football games that way. If you don't take the ball away, you're not stopping the offense. If you don't stop the offense... You're not going to score more points than them. You're just going to get ran on, and that's what we saw last season. We saw the Bucks, you know, put up 30, 35 points, but at the end of the day, they were getting, you know, outscored 40 to 30, 30 to 29, you know, 28 to 21. The defense couldn't hold its own against some of these these offenses. They didn't have those type of receivers. You know, I'm sorry, those cornerbacks that can keep up with these receivers. And a lot of Bucks fans are very confused. Why is Arians and Bowles taking two more cornerbacks? They just took two last season. Sure, that's true. But when you have two straight seasons of the worst pass defense in the league, and I mean the most, the absolute worst passing defense I have personally ever seen, where you're giving up 400 plus yards a game, and you can't hold on to a 21 point lead in the third, fourth quarter? That's atrocious. That's unacceptable. And, you know, you had to have thought, especially with the the coaching change that Arians made, he didn't just, you know, get rid of one guy. He overturned the entire coaching staff. He had a new offensive one, a new defensive one, a new defensive coordinator. You know, he changed the entire culture of Tampa Bay coaches. And you had to have known that, you know, Arians, Bowles, and Light, looked at Tampa Bay secondary and agreed this won't get it done and it's not for lack of talent you know you got guys like VH3 who got hurt 
Carlton Davis, I believe, is going to be a stud. But, you know, he struggled a lot last season. And MJ Stewart is going to be converted to safety. Lights already kind of came out and said that he's probably better off to be a safety. I, you know, I don't really know what his future holds with the team. He lacks a lot of speed, in my opinion. But the secondary as a whole was atrocious and just needed to get better. The Bucks weren't going to win anymore. They weren't going to win the 8, 9, 10 games that, you know, the Bucks are hoping with these offensive talents and these players that they've added can win. You're not going to win that way. You're not going to win if you can't stop the ball. You can't win if you don't stop the opposing team. And I think that was the major focus for this draft for Arians and Light and, and Todd Bowles was to find guys that were aggressive, sticky, mean, and hungry. The biggest thing they wanted in players was just mean, hungry attitudes. They, You want ball, you get ball. You see ball, you flock to ball. You know, and speed. These guys, every pick so far that the Bucks made in the first, you know, three rounds were speedy guys. They all ran about 4-3, 4-4-40-yard dashes. They all had a bit of length to them. They all had a good size to them. They want to get bigger. They want to get faster because that's what Tampa lacked. That secondary lacked speed. MJ Stewart was getting burned. Carlton Davis was getting burned. Ryan Davis was getting burned every other play. And for those, you know, for those of you who were still confused about the, the cornerback picks, do you really want Devontae Harris, Ryan Smith, Isaiah Johnson going out there if they don't have any kind of depth? Because that's what would have happened. You would have had third and fourth string cornerbacks out there again against guys like Michael Thomas and Julio Jones. Um, who else did we play this year? Um... Marquise Goodwin, you know, Tyler Lockett in Seattle. You weren't going to, you're going to get blown out. Your cornerbacks aren't going to have no chance against these guys. You can't win with guys who shouldn't be starting, and they're starting because there's no depth. They don't have the speed. That was the reasoning for this pick. So you want to stop losing 21-point leads? You want to stop being a 5-11 team? You're going to have to draft players that can fix that, that have the attributes and the talent to fix that. That was the whole reasoning behind these picks. I can't understand why some of you don't get that. Why it was such a big issue that they were drafted. Why you thought that it was going to be fixed with just, oh, well, it's a coaching change. No, you need guys that fit your system. And I understand Light said, I'm sorry, excuse me, Arian said, don't tell me what my players can't do. You work around them. But these are the guys they wanted. They drafted them for a reason. And you guys slandering them because you didn't want more cornerbacks makes absolutely no sense. Why are you fans of a team if you don't, you know, you don't respect what the coaches are doing? Arians is a proven winning coach. He knows what he's doing. He's gone to team after team after team. He's gone from Pittsburgh to Indianapolis to Arizona and won with three different teams, three different styles of play, three different coaching staffs, three different quarterbacks, three different, you know, offenses and defenses. He's done this before. He's not an idiot. He knows what he's doing, you know. I understand the coaching staff has been a big question mark and a big, you know, a big gas before, but, you know, these changes are something that had to have been made. Um, so I, I'm ecstatic about the two, the two third round picks, the two cornerbacks. I think they're exactly what the defense, the secondary needed. They need speed. They need bigger guys. They need those aggressive mindsets, those, those press corners. Um, so I'm excited to see what they do. I'm excited to see maybe... If one or both of them, you know, make a run for a starting cornerback job, 
Because really, you're only going to have three. I mean, unless you have, you know, a double tight end set or a four wide out set, you're not going to have four cornerbacks on the field at one time. Um, I mean, you can, but you, you know what I mean. You're really going to have those three guys out there. And right now, those three guys, um, before both Bunting and, um, and Dean were picked, were BH3, Carlton Davis, and Ryan Smith. So... Um, especially with Vernon Hargraves getting his fifth year picked up, you know, you have to wonder if maybe one of those, if not both, are insurance packages on VH3. I think VH3 will bounce back just fine. You know, it's just an assumption. You just, it's just a question, you know, to really, to, 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 to maul over in your mind, you know. Could this be VH3's replacement? Could VHB be on the bench at some point this season? Um, so that's definitely something to look into, to kind of think about. It'll be interesting to see, um... But, you know, going right into the next pick, the Bucks took Mike Edwards' safety out of Kentucky in the fourth round. Uh, this guy, again, I only knew about him from a couple of games. For those of you who don't know, I don't watch a lot of college football. I'm still trying to get into it, still trying to find a team, but I have done my research on hundreds of prospects, and a few times I had him in my mocks just because of the way he flies around the ball. This guy has sideline to sideline speed. And I don't mean like, oh yeah, he can get there quickly. No, you look and he's, you know, on one side of the sideline and the next he's tackling some guy on the completely other side of the field. He's a ball hack, had over 300 tackles in Kentucky. You know, he has great eye awareness. He's got great hands. He wraps up. You know, he again was another, almost like an insurance package for the Bucks. The Bucks have some really great young safeties. They've got Justin Evans. They've got Jordan Whitehead. And both of these guys, I think, you know, have fit both system very well. But they've both battled some injuries. Again, like last season, Chris Conti ended up on IR. Justin Evans in a walking boot. Jordan Whitehead got hurt. And again, who are you going to have out there if they get hurt? You're going to have... Um, you know, third and fourth string guys, just like the cornerbacks. The biggest problem with the secondary was depth. That's what the Bucks focused on the most was defensive secondary depth. That's the biggest thing they needed in this draft. Outside of maybe defensive line, but that is the biggest thing they needed in this draft. And getting a guy, a ball hawk, a hard hitter, just, you know, a ball magnet like Mike Edwards, it was a perfect fit. You know, you, you have a guy who has a motor that's always on go. He can blitz. He can come off the edge. He's going to be someone that can, you know, plug and play immediately, even if it's a rotating defense, like a 3-4. If we have two safeties in the game, three safeties in the game, you know, I mean, obviously that's not a very... <laughs> I don't even know if you can... <laughs> I don't even know if you can really have three safeties on the field at one time. I don't believe so, unless you have some kind of crazy package you're setting up. Maybe if you want to put a guy on the line and blitz him in and you have two deep safeties or one deep safety, single high safety, you know, you never know. But even if it's just, you know, rotational, that's going to bring the depth to keep fresh legs on the field and not have these injuries happen like they did last year. The injury bug bit the Bucks harder than it's probably ever bitten them last in the, the last season. They lost, I think, what was it, five or about seven guys to IR? Seven guys to injury? That can't happen. I mean, I get injuries happen, and it's unfortunate, and there's nothing you can really do about it, but the team has to be prepared. They have to have the depth for when one guy goes down, it's next man up. 
And that's exactly what Light did. And a lot of people didn't understand it, again, because, oh, you have Justin Evans and Whitehead. What are they, chopped liver? No, they're not chopped liver. I think they're both going to be very successful, but you have to have that insurance policy. You have to have that guy you go, okay, well, this guy's down, you're up, Mike, and he gets in there and he plays his butt off. You have to have guys that are ready to go and that can play that same defense so when he gets subbed in, that quarterback's not saying, oh, all right, they're starting safeties out. Let's get them. Let's go over the top. You know, you want to have guys that can play to the level of every other guy in that position, you know, and I think they did that with this pick. Although the Bucks may not have that real veteran presence in the secondary, now they did pick up Dion Buchanan um, in free agency. Even though he's more of a money backer position, meaning, I mean, he's versatile. He can play both. And I think that he will, you know, kind of bring some of that veteran presence, but it's going to be mostly young guys in that, that, that true safety position. But I think Mike Edwards is going to fit in quite well. Um, I feel like, again, this was more of a Todd Bowles pick. I feel like this was one of his guys he felt like he could do some you know, special packages with some kind of, you know, um, just a player that he thinks will bring that intensity to the game. And I can get a lot, I can get on board with that. Like I said, they needed the secondary depth. They needed guys that would be all in and, and just set that tone in the secondary and really change the culture in that secondary from when it was, you know, oh, we're going to play prevent to no, we're going to be on the offensive. We're going to attack. We're going to attack the ball. We're going to attack your route. We're going to attack you as an offense, as an opposing offense. So I love it. I can't wait to see what they do. I think this secondary this year is going to be a more ball-hawking defense. I think they're going to get many more turnovers. I feel like the Bucks. you know, I'm not going to say they're going to go worst to first in the defensive passing area, but I do feel like they can be, you know, a, a top a top maybe 15 team in, in regards to pass defense. The run defense has been, for the most part, on, on top, you know, on top of things. But the passing defense is what really had killed them. So I applaud Arians and Bowles and Light for going after the defense like they did. Um, like, again, like I said, again, some of you may not like it, but this is what had to be done. This was coming. This should have been, you know, written on the wall the moment that Arians got rid of all these coaches. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. But I'm excited to see the changes in that secondary. All right. After day two, Bucks fans were losing their absolute minds. They couldn't understand why the Bucks hadn't taken any kind of defensive lineman. They couldn't understand why they didn't take any kind of offensive lineman. Uh, the Bucks fans were in shambles. I'm not gonna lie to you. Bucks fans were just absolutely besides themselves. The Bucks changed that with the fourth pick, 107th overall, by taking Anthony Nelson, or as I like to personally call him, Carl Nassib Jr. or Carl Nassib II at this point, <laughs> uh, out of Iowa. Um, he's a defensive end. He's six foot seven and 270 pounds. This man is massive. And I don't mean he just looks massive, he plays massive. He plays like he is coming down a hill and he's a bulldozer ready to run you right over. I, I could you imagine having two Carl Nassibs? Like, you have JPP, Vita Vea, 
Carl Nassib and then it's a clone of Carl Nassib. That is exactly what just happened. The Bucks got a second Carl Nassib. And we all know who that how that's turned out. That has turned out to be an incredible investment. A great pickup. And to have two of him, or I should say a player, you know, that does play like him because I'm not going to sit here and say, well, that's just Carl Nassib Jr. He's his own man. He wants to be his own player. That's great. I'm just saying the comparison, the way he plays is what I compare him to. He could be better than him. I understand that. But, I, wow. I mean, this man is a physical specimen. Not only is he six foot seven and 270 pounds, he had nine and a half sacks in 2018. He has a 4.8240 time, and he has a, a career of 119 tackles, 31 tackles for loss, and four forced fumbles. Um, just from what I've seen on tape, this guy is long. And I mean, obviously being a tall guy, six foot seven, you kind of get that feel to begin with. But I mean, this man just is, it's just when he plays, he just has that, that wingspan that he can get to the ball. You think he's about five feet from the ball and he can still make an impact on it. He has 30, 34 and seven eighths long arms and he uses that wingspan to kind of just Let's say he's tied up with an offensive lineman. He can still reach his hand out and cause some pressure to that quarterback. In his film, he's a bull rusher. He uses his size to push the linebacker straight back. I'm sorry, the offensive line straight back into the quarterback. He has, you know, just that power, that speed to really get up under a lineman and push him back. He can win. He can shed blocks quite easily. Um, he's persistent, and he doesn't give up on plays. I saw, I had watched a play earlier on him. Where, you know, he got, you know, the offensive line held him up. And the running back's about five, seven yards ahead of him. And all you see is this big man running behind him and tackles him from behind. And I was I was blown back. I was like, that can't be the same guy. That's not the same number 98. There's no way. I had to watch it three times to make sure I was seeing it correctly. This man, at six foot seven and 270 pounds, just chased, back, chased down a running back from behind after getting held up by an offensive lineman that probably runs uh, 40 tenths of a second faster than him. He's, he's incredible. Every year there's a guy you think, wow, how did he fall to this and this this and this round here? How did he fall to this team? He, he <laughs> He's going to be that guy. I can already see it. He's going to be the next Carl Nassib. He has a, they're all literally almost the same exact size, 6'7 and about 270 pounds. He's going to be that guy that you look back on in week 9 and week 10 and you go, how the hell did we get this guy? How the hell did he fall to us? He's, I think he's severely underrated. He played at Iowa. You know, it's not the, the biggest school, but they're respected. And I just think that he's severely underrated. I think that he brings, you know, that new big... A big body on the defensive line, especially with Jared McCoy being very iffy at this point to return in week one. I, I don't see how they keep him and sign all of these and sign all of these draft picks. That's still such such a big thing up in the air right now. And I feel like this was a great first step to finding maybe his replacement or the next Jared McCoy for the Bucks franchise going forward. I, I just can't believe, you know how big and massive and quick he is i mean a 4.82 isn't the fastest time especially for a, a de but i mean you know he can either you know lose some pounds or maybe do some do some speed training so i'm not concerned about that 
He has great size. He's going to be another big guy that can get his hands up on the defensive line. I mean, Carl Nassib is 6'7". He's 6'7". JPP, I think, is 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, six, and having guys at that size that can not only bull rush him, you know, create that, that wall, at you know, in front of the quarterback, they can also get their hands up and bat down balls. I mean, that's going to be a huge boost to the defensive line. I think it will be hard to stop having those big bodies in front this was, this was an excellent pickup. Um, I, I just, like I said before, <laughs> I can't believe he fell to us. This is going to be my underdog draft pick. This is my underdog draft pick right here. Anthony Nelson, you have believers in Tampa Bay. I think you're going to do big things, buddy. Let's get to work, all right? Fifth round is where it started to get a little weird for Tampa Bay, in my opinion. Um, the fifth pick... You know, a lot of people, including myself, were expecting an offensive lineman. The Bucks don't have a great deal of depth at, depth at all at offensive linemen. In fact, their backup tackle is uh, Caleb Beninok, who, uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, the man needs to not be on this team in general, in my opinion, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Because he wasn't paying his true position, but I am not a big fan. Not a big fan at all. So, with the 145th pick in the draft, the Bucks took a kicker. And immediately, my heart sank. A kicker. Another kicker. And for, for those of you who may not remember, or who may be listening as just a fan of football, not particularly Bucks football, the Bucks traded up into the second round to take Roberto Aguayo out of FSU, who was at the time, you know, the best rated kicker in all of college football, who turned out to be the biggest bust ever. The guy was shanking field goals left and right, and it was enough to give me PTSD with kickers. And for those of you who also may not know, the Bucks are a cursed football team when it comes to kickers. For whatever reason... For whatever, just Matt Bryant curses with a cooking curse, and uh, Matt Bryant, you need to let it go. It's not funny anymore. You've got plenty of revenge. The Bucks have lost like seven or eight games because their kickers have not made kicks. It's been, it's insane. I think they've had, what, eight or nine different kickers now? Nick Folk, Roberto Reguayo, Connor Barth, Cairo Santos, just to name just a few of them, and that's only been like the last three years. It just needs to end. And, you know, Cairo Santos wasn't the most consistent guy last season. He wasn't particularly bad. But there's still some kicks that I was like, oh, it's happening again. This is not, the kicking curse is still a thing. Tampa is still in trouble. So I can see why a kicker was brought in. I mean, evidently this guy is amazing. He made every single extra point in his career. He's been perfect from 39 and in. He's made 8 of 11 50-plus yard attempts. He has a, a long of 55. So I understand why there was a need for a kicker. Because like Bruce Arians said afterwards, they've got to score more points. Bruce Arians, when he first got hired, was a guy that said, I want to put up 30-plus points a game. And to do that, you're going to need a kicker who can kick consistently. Even if it isn't making, making just field goals, you know. The NFL pushing back the length of the extra point kind of hurt a lot of teams. 
because now it wasn't just a tip a chip shot it was a little bit harder and you've seen a, a an increase of missed kicks because of it so like i said i can see why the need for a kicker but why sign santos back if you didn't believe in him 100 percent? i suppose and why use a draft pick i mean i and there was a, a bit of an interview that was done afterwards with this guy, uh, Matt Gay. And um, he was like, yeah, I thought I was going to go 6th or 7th or just undrafted overall. I was so surprised when they called me. And in my mind, I'm just like, you could have taken someone, a position, actual need, and just assigned him to an undrafted free agency contract. I don't, I still don't understand that the, the point of taking using a fifth round pick on him at all i don't understand that but i do understand the need for a consistent kicker i don't think that every great kicker in college is going to be like a roberto roguayo but i am quite afraid matt gay if you ever listen to this by some miracle or something like that i'm not hating on you dude but god do i feel bad for you because everybody was roasting this poor man talking about why do we need another effing kicker we don't need him and I feel bad for him because he came into like the worst possible situation. He got he got drafted to a team that just had such bad luck with kickers and a kicker's curse that I really hope this guy succeeds. I hope I eat crow. And like I said, I don't hate the pick. I can see the reasoning for it. I see the need. I just don't feel like it should have been a pick, you know, a pick worthy guy. I feel like he could have definitely been added, you know, undrafted. I would have loved to bring him in either way. Not saying that I'm not happy he's on the Bucks. I think he'll be okay. I think he'll, you know, continue to succeed at the pro level. But the, I just can't justify the pick use on him. So, Matt Gay, we're glad you're here, buddy. We just don't, you know, like you said, he should have been like 6th or 7th. So, I mean, we'll see what he can do. Maybe he puts some pressure on Cairo Santos to be more efficient. Maybe he wins the starting job. You never know. Maybe this guy is the next Vinatieri or Gutkowski. You just, you just don't know. So, but right now, I'm okay with it. I'm not, I was upset at first. <laughs> the only thing I could say to myself was, oh, oh no, not again. Not another kicker. But like I said, we'll see what happens. Um, at the very least, he'll bring in some kicking competition. It's never a bad thing. You always want to put a little bit of pressure on your kicker. If you can't kick under pressure, you can't kick on an NFL team, in my opinion. So... Anyway, moving on to the sixth round, again, the uh, the premise thought was, all right, well, we've got a defensive end, we've got a kicker, question mark, question mark, shrug, offensive line time, or so we thought. Um, with the 208th pick in the draft, the Bucks chose a wide receiver, Scotty Miller, out of Bowling Green. Now, the Bucks had to wait quite a while for this pick after picking 145th. They waited, I think, what about, like 60 picks? That's quite a while in draft time. Um, and at first, I was like, another wide receiver? Where, Where's the need for this? And then I had saw something yesterday where Bruce Arians was kind of upset with the Steelers that they had, they had stolen a wide receiver that they were looking at to. So I think Bruce Arians wants another toy to play with on the offense, which is fine with me. Um, obviously losing Adam Humphreys and Deshaun Jackson kind of hurt the Bucks a little bit. They have a decent amount of depth. They have Bobo Wilson. They have Justin Watson. They have Rashad Perriman, who was just taken. So 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not seriously, like, not questioning the pick, but it was a little bit shocking again, like I said, because they didn't have another offensive lineman. They don't have a lot of depth at offensive linemen. But then I watched this guy's tape, and man, is he fast. I mean, lightning fast. He's about 5'11", too. He's a little bit of a smaller guy. But again, he's got 4.340 speed. He's got speed, speed, and on top of that, speed. Um, he had nearly 1,200 yards and 9 touchdowns in 2018, 13 yards per catch. He can beat you in a slant. He can beat you on a deep route. And he's got those fluid hips, quick feet. He can run a variety of routes. He's kind of like Deshaun Jackson, who actually wants to play in Tampa. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. We're not going to lie here. We're not going to sit here and say that Deshaun Jackson really wanted to play in Tampa last season. I, I don't care who you are. He didn't want to play here. He acted like he was just waiting the season out, and it was unfortunate. But so, I mean, you, you never know. This could be his replacement. He's got great hands. He's got vision. He he point, high points the ball. Um, he's got a lot of great attributes that I like to see in, in receiver myself. He's got nice balance. He's not, you know, the biggest guy. He's only about a hundred and maybe 180 pounds. He's not real big, but he's got balance. He, he can break a couple arm tackles. I mean, obviously, if you knock him off his route being that, tall and that skinny, he could, you know, throw him off a little bit. But he could be the next Bucks deep threat. Rashad Perriman's had some trouble with, you know, his hands in the beginning of his career. So, let's just say maybe he continues with those struggles. Scotty Miller from Bowling Green can be that new deep threat. He's got the speed. He's got the hands. He's got, you know, everything you want in a receiver. You want quick feet. You want eyes. You want attentiveness, awareness, and high-pointing the ball. You don't want a guy who brings it into his chest. You want a guy that can attack the ball in the air and bring it in. And I saw a lot of that with his film. Um, he's very fluid. His routes are pretty crisp. I mean, there's a couple things, obviously, that he can still work on. Um, but that comes with the transition from college ball to the NFL um, and working with college coaches and working with other guys like Mike Evans, like Chris Godwin. Um, that'll help him improve his game, you know, take it to the next level. But one thing I did notice, he's not afraid of contact. He's not afraid of getting his hands on a defensive guy, you know, in the first five yards and you know, kind of playing to his strengths and, you know, getting outside. Um, when he's running a go route, he really uses his speed to separate himself. Um, and that's what the back, the Bucks have continued to look for in this draft. As you've seen, obviously, outside of a kicker, they want speed, they want size. And, you know, he might not be the biggest wide receiver at 5'11", but he sure got speed. The Bucks lacked that last season. And even as prolific as the Bucks' offense was, and as efficient as it was in scoring points and marching the ball down the field, they could always get faster. You know, Arians loves those fast guys. Speed, speed, speed. Speed kills. It's, it's proven fact. And again, this was another guy, you know, I have never heard of, but watching some tape was another underrated guy that kind of maybe flew under the radar because of a small school like Bowling Green. So I think he'll give Rashad Perriman some competition. Um, you never know. He could beat out Watson or maybe even Bubba Wilson, who we haven't seen much of either. You know, he could be a great depth piece. So, again, not mad at the pick. Maybe you wish they would have been on offensive line, but this was a great pickup. Um, I think he'll bring 
more speed to the Bucks. You know, maybe they can go on just a go route, him and Brashad Perriman on the field at one time. There's a bunch of other packages. You know, we're going to see for the first time this season, probably in the offseason. I'm sorry, in the preseason. You know, some of what Arians has in his playbook offensively, I think it'll be a lot more slants. I think it'll be a lot more go routes. I think it'll be a lot more complex than the five, six plays of the Bucks ran under Dirk Cutter. Um, so I'm excited to see that. You never know. He could be, you know, a complimentary piece to Evans and Godwin. So we'll just have to wait and see on that one. By this point, I had figured, you know, that Bruce Arians and, and the gang, Jason Light and Todd Bowles, we're going to look at to fill other needs in undrafted free agency. So I, I didn't really know what to expect with the last pick in the draft. I thought maybe another, another running back, maybe another wide receiver, um, another safety, I don't know. And they ended up taking a very interesting guy to me, um, to be honest, Terry Beckner, a defensive lineman out of Missouri. And I remember hearing of him coming out of high school and being highly sought after. And when he first came to Missouri, he made um, freshman All-American and had very high ironers. He had 27 tackles. I think it was like 13 for losses freshman year. And then he got hurt. He had two major ACL tears. He wasn't healthy again until 2017. He slowed down quite a bit. He had some stiffness, but he still was getting the job done. And he had lost some some uh, some stock in himself because of the said stiffness and some of the lost speed. But this guy's hands are incredible. He will literally throw you. And I don't mean like, oh, he pushed you. No, no. Watching his tape, he will throw you down. He will tackle you. He acts like it's, I feel like he's like WWE tackling somebody out there. He is aggressive. He is mean. He doesn't give up on the play. And he still has a bit of burst and speed that he can get into that that backfield. He still has the speed to, you know, get to the quarterback. Sure, he didn't run a real great combine, and that's kind of why he fell so far. He was first projected to fall between, like, the third and fifth round. And the Bucks got him at at the seventh round, first overall, thanks to the trade with the um with the Cardinals due to Bruce Arians is uh Bruce Arians being hired as the Bucks coach. So this is a guy that really is intriguing to me because he had 13 sacks over his his uh, career, and you got to remember with those two injuries, he came back and still played at a pretty high level. Um, I think he's a guy. He's not going to be the fastest guy on the defensive line. He's going to be a great rotational piece. Um, I think he's going to be more of a Will Golston player, not a guy who sees a whole ton of snaps, but when he does get some snaps, he's going to be able to make an impact on it. He could force some extra pressures. He can get a couple sacks here and there throughout the season. Um, it's unfortunate to hear about his knees and to see you know, how his play kind of slowed down a little bit, but really just... Um, I'm very shocked and very surprised he fell so far because watching him on tape, he's just got that motor. He does, He's not going to give up on the plate just because he's got a little bit of stiffness in his legs and he's he's not real, you know, fluent with his hips, but he still has that raw power that I think coaches like Todd Bowles and the other defensive coaches can really tap into and help him excel his game. So I think this was another steal for the Bucks. Um you know, when it comes to the seventh round, these players aren't really, they're not talked about a whole lot because, again, it's the seventh round. People tend to really, you know, sometimes check out of the draft around the third, fourth round because they believe, for whatever reason, that players can't still be of high caliber 
even in these later rounds, even though we still have stories of guys like um, Terrell Davis and Tom Brady going in like the sixth and seventh rounds, these these gems are still out there. You don't have to be a first round pick to be someone who's impactful. So I think that Todd Bowles took a chance on a guy who's been through some stuff, who's been through some injuries, but still has that fight, still has that real powerful stance, that that real drive to get to the ball. And again, that's kind of been um, the one the one similarity to all these picks has been guys who are going to give 110% of themselves every single play, guys who are aggressive, ball hawks, and you know they're going to go on attack every single play. You don't want guys on your team who aren't going to give 100% effort every single play. And that was one of the biggest issues on the Bucks last season was having guys on this team who simply just loafed and didn't want to be here. Brent Grimes, Deshaun Jackson just didn't want to play football. And that, you know, kind of doomed the Bucks. The Bucks have talent. And I think they, you know, uh, it's going to be an unpopular opinion. And with time, I hope that this is correct and that some other uh, some others can see this. But I really think the Bucks kind of nailed this draft. Still kind of iffy on the kicker thing. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see again. Mr. Gay, I'm, I'm not picking on you, buddy. It's just, you know, it's just how things are here in Tampa. But I really think they nailed the draft. They fixed the secondary depth. They got some more help on the defensive line. And, um, in undrafted free agency, the Bucks signed some guys with incredible talent. You have Anthony Johnson out of Buffalo who had, uh, what was it, 1,200 yards and, and 10 touchdowns. Last season as a senior, 25 in his career. They also landed DeMarcus Ho- La Hodge out of uh, Old Miss, who is can, can fly really. He runs a four five five, but this guy can fly, and he's tall. He's another big receiver. They had they've uh, signed two offensive linemen that'll help out a lot with depth if they can compete with Alex Kappa and guys like Earl Watford and Caleb Benenock. Hopefully, keeping Caleb Benenock off the team. <coughs> um, anyway, they also got a running back, Bruce Anderson. Um, I wasn't really high on him, but shout out to my girl Tay. Tay kind of showed me the way on him. He looks like a pretty fast guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield, so we'll see if maybe he can get into the mix with Rojo and Barber. Um, and one guy I'm really, really happy about that the Bucks kind of brought into undrafted free agency is underdog Kazen Daniels. And I'm so sorry if I am butchering that first name. Um, but some of you may not know who he is, some of you may do. He's the player that has completely blind in one eye, and he still is making waves and splashes in the football the football world. Um, he's completely blind in that eye and can't see anything out of it. It's completely dark, and he is still finding ways to get to the quarterback. So I am pushing for him. I am rooting hard for him. I'm really glad that Bruce Arians and the Bucks gave this guy a chance. Um, he is very similar to the Shaquille Griffin story, so I'm hoping we can make his dreams come true and that he can provide um, some great talent for us. So, all in all, the Bucks did a really great job of attacking some of the weaker areas on the on the roster. You know, now they have a couple more wide receivers after losing Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphreys. They've added another running back into you know at least undrafted free agency. He's signed on. Um, They've added two more offensive linemen. They've added a linebacker in Devin White. They've added two more defensive ends. And they've also brought 
in Mac Loudermilk, the punter from UCF. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that'll also be some competition for Bradley Pinion. So, all in all, um, I'm going to give the Bucks draft a B-. minus. Um, I feel like even though they didn't address offensive line in the draft itself, I feel like bringing in talent on undrafted free agency is going to help out a lot. I do feel like Alex Kappa and even Caleb Beninock and guys like um, Evan Smith and Earl Watford are really going to excel under the new coaching staff. I feel like they're going to improve themselves. So I don't feel like them not taking it is a huge detrimental blow. I do feel like the trade down in the third was kind of still head-scratching, even though they did get two very decent, very, you know, full of potential cornerbacks out of it. So that was my big hit on the draft, but I do give it a B-. minus. I feel like they address a lot of areas. I feel like the Bucks got a lot faster, a lot meaner, and a lot more aggressive. Um, that's what this team needed. That's what the defense needed. The Bucks even added a couple pieces on offense with the wide receiver. So overall, I'm pretty happy. Um, there's a couple guys I feel like they missed out on, but at the end of the day, you know, we're not experts. I can watch a film all day long. I can look at stats all day long, but I am not a coach and I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't know what's best for the team. I just have an opinion based with, you know, stats and film. So I'm going to trust what Light says. I think Light and Todd Bowles and Jason Light really did a pretty decent job. I feel like they hit needs. I feel like this team, you know, has a real chance of doing some special this season. Like I said, it might not be going worse to first, but I feel like they're going to make strides and great improvements. And I feel like if the team plays the way they can and plays together as a unit, as a family, that this team, you know, could have a really good shot, even with all the scheduling stuff that they have going against them. I really feel like this team, you know, is in a win-now mode. And a lot of you said, you know, they didn't draft like they're in a win-now mode, but Arians has a plan. Like I said before, and like he said before, this wasn't about rebuilding. It was never going to be, we're going to draft all these guys, and then we're going to start over, and we're going to start something new. These were plug-and-play guys they felt could start right now and make an impact. And now they have a bunch of guys that want to prove themselves to not only the NFL, but to themselves and to the Tampa Bay Bucks who gave them a shot that they can, you know, play at a higher level. So I'm excited to see the new guys introduced. I'm excited for minicamp and training camp and all the good things to come. Um, But for me, guys, that's going to be it for this episode. You guys can follow my account at EMT underscore Abrams. You can follow this podcast account at Talk the Flank Pod. Until next time, guys, let's go Bucks.